running away from people now. 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporter's <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fonte was always soft. Can't uh, win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass end zone. Touchdown and the ball game. DeVito in relief wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you into a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644. Phone lines open all of our number one. We do have a couple of guests lined up in our number two. John Meter Perel from Boston College. He's the voice of the BC Eagles. He's going to join us at one as we begin to preview Syracuse and BC this Saturday inside the Dome. And then our good friend Steve Andrus from Radio.com Sports will be on with us at 1.30 as we preview week nine of the NFL season that kicks off tonight between the Niners and Packers. We begin the show, though, talking some Cuse football. Some big news to come out last night, Seth. Trill Williams has decided that he's going to follow in the path of Andre Sisco. We literally had the same story three weeks ago, right? The You know, the star safety Gets injured, decides he's had enough, and he's heading to the NFL. Of course, Andre Sisco three weeks ago announced that he was going, and now Trill Williams, who missed the last couple games with injury, uh, says enough is enough. He posted on Twitter this long post thanking SU fans, thanking the coaches, uh, talking about how he's been dreaming of the NFL since he was six years old and that it's time for Trill to move on. So, you know, we said going into the year that the secondary was the strength of certainly the defense, maybe of the team. And now your two top guys, Andre Sisco and Trill Williams, aren't coming back. Yeah, and look, we said at the beginning of the year that they had three NFL guys in that secondary, and it's, it's possible that that Garrett Williams has emerged as a fourth. You know, as as he continues to develop off of this freshman year, but we knew we knew that there was a pretty good possibility that Andre Sisco, Trill Williams were playing their final games in Syracuse uniforms, and there's at least a possibility that Ify Melifonwu was also playing his final games in a Syracuse uniform. We, we didn't realize that it was only going to be half a season. We didn't realize it was only going to be a part of the season. But at this point, I can't say I blame any of them for making that decision. You look at it, and you know these two guys were both hurt. Andre Sisco wasn't going to play again. Trill Williams, it seemed like it was a week-to-week thing. At least that's what we were led to believe by Dino Babers, and and you know with his updates. But maybe Trill realizes it's more than that. Maybe he realizes he he wasn't going to be coming back uh, for any meaningful snaps. And if you're not coming back for meaningful snaps in a season where your team is already one and six, then you know what. Rest up, get healthy, and start training for the draft because you're an NFL player. And you just saw, you know, your good friend uh, and fellow safety Andre Cisco, you know, tear his ACL, and now he's rehabbing a serious injury. And again, to your point, that's what we were led to believe that it was a week to week injury, and that he was um, a possibility to return this week. He's missed the last two games with injury. Only played in the second half against Liberty. Um, but again, he just saw Andre Cisco go down. He's rehabbing a serious injury, and maybe Trill said, "You know what? It, we're we're one and six. Enough is enough. Um, I'm going to start getting ready for for the draft." Now, interesting to note that Ify Milifonwu was asked last night. Um, the the players were made available. They're normally made available on Tuesday nights, but because of the election, they were made available on Wednesday this week. And the school selects who talks to the media. 
if he was one of the players Strange selected. Timing. Yeah. Um, but again, the interview took place before Trill made his announcement. Right. But if he was asked about his plans after the season, if he would come back, if he would transfer, if he would go to the NFL, and you know, he just said, I haven't thought about it, I don't want to think about it, I'll deal with that after the season. So he didn't say I'm definitely coming back, I guess is my point. Um, and again, going into the year, we identified those three guys, Trill, Andre, and Iffy, as guys who might be moving on to the next level after the year. Andre and Trill obviously are going, and and if he could very well be the third. Yeah, and obviously, look, you want to have these guys around. You want to keep these guys around, but that's part of the um, part of the downside to developing really good players, you know. And and these guys came in as pretty good secondary pieces, you know. Andre Cisco, Trill Williams, and Ify Melifonwu all con- contributed right away to that 2018 team. They all did it in different ways. Andre Cisco was. A starter and an All-American. Ify Melifonwu was more of a, a spot corner coming in for, for you know injured guys. And Trill Williams was kind of like a here and there kind of a player more so late in the season. But they all contributed to that team as true freshmen. And that was a good team. I mean, we know that. We've talked about that. You know, you could see their skills that were pretty apparent early on. So, you know, it it's it's a testament to the guys that were brought in. It's a testament to developing them further. Um, and you know what? When you have NFL caliber players, you live with the downside because more often than not, if you're if you're passing guys on in three years to the NFL, you know more often than not you're going to be relatively successful. And you know Syracuse didn't have the success with the three of them their junior their sophomore and junior years, but that freshman year was pretty good. Yeah, and, you know and and you know yeah you hope that you get more talented players so that you don't I don't want to say waste, but so that you don't um, not have the success that you want as these guys are around, but. Uh, the first step is getting some talented players, and they've managed. They've definitely done that with these three. There's no doubt, though, Seth, that it is a shame. You have three NFL players in that secondary, and uh, yeah, I think they've to, won 16 games. I think to use the term "wasted," I think you know this year it, it does feel wasted to some degree that you had those three guys. And and listen, a lot of it is is out of the. I mean, the Andre Cisco injury out of anybody's control. Um, you know, and and Trill got banged up as well. You can't. You can't help injuries. You have to plan for injuries, but obviously you can't help injuries. And and, and what this means now with with Trill and Andre out, Eric Coley has been out. Um, you, you know he he could be out for the rest of the season. We we don't know that. Um, but I think it it stands to reason that you're going to continue to see these freshmen. You know, Jihad Carter, Rob Hanna, true freshman, the redshirt freshman, and Amon Greenwood, uh, Garrett Williams, uh, also you know a, a freshman from an eligibility standpoint. You're going to continue to see these guys get a lot of snaps, get a lot of reps the rest of the way. And the hope is that while you take your lumps this year, that it will pay off and pay div- dividends in 2021. That that secondary, um, you know, will will grow up a little bit quicker. Um, in 2021 than if those guys had left in the offseason and now right. all of a sudden they're thrown out there and those are their first real reps. At least they're taking their lumps this season in a, in a year that, again, essentially you know doesn't matter and certainly at this point feels like it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, you you look like you outlined. At least you're now getting Jihad Carter, Ahmad Greenwood, um, you know, and some of those other younger guys, Rob Hanna, the, the snaps that they need to get to, you know, feel ready and feel like they will be, you know, good you know, college players next year. They're going to be second-year freshmen. Uh, as as weird as that is going to be to explain, they're going to be second-year freshmen next season, and they're going to go into their quote-unquote freshman year with 
essentially a season under their belt. I right. mean, Chad Carter's been playing all year. Yeah. You know, um, Ahmad Greenwood's been getting snaps, what, the last four weeks now? Garrett Williams you know, has turned into a really good yeah, corner in Garrett, a short period Garrett of time. Garrett Williams started day one. Yeah. I mean, started day one and has been good since day one. So you're looking at guys now in the secondary that, you know, maybe they aren't, you know, Andre Sisco, right? None, none of these guys are all American as a true freshman. Right, because even as good as even as good as Garrett Williams is, he doesn't have the gaudy, eye popping interception number that Andre Cisco had that got him to All American status as a freshman. Like that's that is being honest, right? Andre Cisco was good, but without that interception number, he's not an All American. He put up insane. He was a ball hawk and found found these passes and got to that level. Um, but Garrett Williams has been a shutdown corner but doesn't have the numbers to show, right? He doesn't have that interception total to show. The one thing he does have going for him is he hasn't allowed a touchdown all year, but is that gaudy enough to land him on an All-American team? Probably not. It might land him All-ACC, but you can tell that there's legit talent there. You know, you can you can make comparisons in that way to that 2018 class. You've got a Garrett Williams who's an All-League player. Uh, you know, to to compare to Andre Sisco, you've got Jahad Carter, who you can compare to Trill Williams, you know, or or to Ify Melifonwu. You've got Rob Hanna and Ahmad Greenwood, who you can compare to those two guys. Like you're getting guys a lot of reps. You could see in some of them that there's legit talent. And maybe in three years, we're talking about them the same way that we've been talking about Andre Sisko, Trill Williams, and Ify Melifonwu. To your point about Garrett Williams, that he doesn't have the gaudy interception numbers that Andre Sisko had, but he's been you know just as impressive in a lot of ways. Um, I go back to the Clemson game, and I said this on the television version of Orange Nation to Darius Joshua, that you know I said I, I didn't think that the pick six was even his best play from that Clemson game. Um, I, the, the pass yep. that he broke up on Amari Rogers, where he, he, he was beaten by like a half a step, but then closed and just as the ball was arriving like laid out and got a hand on it and tipped it away I mean that was an incredibly athletic play you know Darius crushed me and said that you know anytime you um, you know have a pick six especially against the number one draft pick in the in the NFL draft that's got to be your best play but I, I think you can make a case that his best play in that game was the the pass breakup when Amari Rogers had him beat by a half a step he closed he knocked it away I mean the kid is really, really good, and and that speaks to your point about that wasn't an interception, but that was a highlight reel type play that if anybody's paying attention, they should take notice to a play like that. Right, but when you're voting for all ACC right. and all American, it, right. it comes down to numbers because and not everybody's watching every second exactly. of every game. I get that exactly, exactly, and that's all I meant by that. No, I'm discussion. saying your, your point is absolutely right. Yeah. That, that Garrett Williams has done. What I'm saying is he's I mean, done you, things this year that even though he didn't get a pick on that play, exactly, that it was an incredible that was play. worthy of an interception. Absolutely. And and you know, I know I'm talking to you. You know this. You vote in some of these awards, you know, when it comes to all ACC and things of that nature. Like you know, we we've talked about all ACC basketball. Like you don't watch every minute right. of every Duke game, but you, rely you then on the have to rely to on the degree. numbers yeah, that are right. provided to you. And sure. it's the same for anybody who's voting on on Syracuse all ACC or, you know, Syrac- uh, let's be honest, Andre Cisco also benefited from being on a team that finished the year in the top right. 20. Right. You know, you're you're going to get a little more recognition for that. You know, he's an all all-American caliber player anyway. But you might get on the All America team by being on a team that good. You know, bringing it back to Trill Williams, um, he's a guy who has 
flashed consistently. You know, he he's he's just been there. And I saw Pro Football Focus did their, you know, when when he announced his uh, decision, tweeted out, he's the second highest rated slot corner in college football this year. And so, you know, if you have the ability to play to to guard to cover slot guys, to play safety, to be all over the field, you know how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands. You know, that's got a place in the NFL. That's got a place in the NFL in 2020 and 2021 He's a play and moving maker. forward. He's a playmaker. And, I, you know, I looked up his stats last night as I was writing the story for my uh, 11 o'clock sportscast at Channel 9. And, you know, just to see how many interceptions he had in his career. I, and I was I was thinking, well, he's got the two touchdowns, the one against Wake and, and then the one this year when, you know, he took the flip pass and, and, and brought it to the house. I forgot about the, the touchdown he had as a freshman on the block punt against Wagner. Oh, right. So, yeah, I mean, he had he had a touchdown each year. I mean, the kid is a playmaker. He 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 is has a flair and, for the dramatic. And I'm and, sure that if you put him on punt returns, yeah. like he he would do, you know, he would be dynamic in that. We just haven't seen him there. But I'm I'm sure that if you put him consistently in a punt return situation, which is something he probably will have to do in the NFL, yeah. right? Like we we look at Andre Cisco and say Andre Cisco first round pick or, or you know before the injury first round level. Like Trill isn't that. You know, what is Trill? Maybe a third or a fourth round pick? Maybe a fifth round pick? Like, that's a guy who's going to have to do a lot of different things. He's going to have to cover punts. He's going to have to be on the punt return team. He's going to have to be a safety and a corner. Like, he's going to have to show that versatility. And I think that we've seen over the last three years that he's got that. Yeah, he's got that versatility. There's there's no doubt about it. You know, Syracuse is going to miss him. Um, and and it's unfortunate that that his time here was cut short and Andre Sisco's time here was cut short. But now it is it is time for the freshman. And it does raise an interesting question that you look at the defensive side and Dino Babers will point to all those young guys he's playing and say, well, I have no other choice. we got to put the freshmen out there. They're going to get their lumps from next year. You could take that that question and that topic and, and, and revert it back to the offense and say, well, Tommy DeVito's out. So don't you don't you kind of have to see what you have at the freshman you know with the with the freshman quarterback in, in Jacoby and Morgan and I know that's a debate that we've been having over the course of the last couple of weeks and especially this week after Jacoby and Morgan played so well against Wake Forest and and it is different right I mean it's it's different in that on defense um, you can hide some deficiencies a little bit easier than at the quarterback position right because if if you're not quite ready to play safety there are ways to to. To, to hide that to some degree, to minimize the damage. If you're not ready to play the quarterback position, then it's, I mean, it's hard to hide that, right? I mean, especially without a dynamic running game. So I do think that that's part of the reason. But if you're going youth, total youth movement on defense anyway, maybe you should go total youth movement on offense as well and just I mean, you should. see if, what you got. Yeah, of course you should. And it's, look, it's for different reasons. Tommy got hurt. Andre and, and Trill opted out after getting hurt, but opted out. Uh, no matter what the reasoning is, none of them are available. They're not to there you. anymore. Right? They're not. They're not there. They're not a part of your team this year. I mean, Tommy is a part of your team, but they're not. You know, they're not there. They're not in the room. They're not on the field. You know, you've, uh, in my opinion, and I've said this for the last three days. You, it, really, going back to Saturday, you've got to see the young guys. You've got to see the young guys on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball and have them ready for next year. You've got to see the young guys on the offensive side of the ball. That's quarterback. That's running back. That's receiver. That is everybody. You know, I'm not I'm not just locking in on Jacoby and Morgan. Like, hey, it was great to see Cooper Lutz do some things. And you know, you come back next year, and if Abdul Adams and Jarvie and Howard decide to come back, which you know, based on some preseason reporting, I feel like that's a little questionable whether they decide to come back. Um, you know, but you you expect to have Jawar Jordan back next year. You expect to have Sean Tucker back next year. 
Um, you know, who knows how and if Cooper Lutz fits into this offense next year, but it's good to know you have that option. You know, hey, let's see let's see what Anthony Queeley and Ed Hendricks do over the rest of this season and how they fit in. You know, what what if uh you know you you just get some, you just find some more offensive weapons to to put around whoever the quarterback is. Maybe it's Tommy DeVito. Maybe it's Jacoby and Morgan. Maybe it's Garrett Schrader if you end up, you know, picking up a grad transfer. No matter what, having more options is good. And and Steve, I said this on the postgame show Saturday, and I don't remember if I said it uh, over the last three days. But I think at the quarterback position specifically, when, when you talk about Jacoby and Morgan, there's no negative that you can get from him playing and playing well. Right? Like, there's no negative that you could possibly have. Because either he comes back next year and it's a legit quarterback competition, right? Like it's a legit competition next year between him and Tommy DeVito. Or um, he's just there as the backup and Tommy's going to get the job. But, you know, Eric Dungy's best season came when he had legit backup to him, right? It, It came when he had a legit backup. And part of it's because he stayed healthy. But part of it is, I would imagine, you know you've got somebody kind of pushing you from behind. And I do wonder if in some ways... Tommy needs that push because we have we knew last year Re- Clayton Welch wasn't legitimately going to take over for him for a large period of time. We know this year that Rex wasn't going to take over for a large period of time. Yeah, and listen, with Tommy DeVito, I think what he needs most is protection in front of him. I don't know if he necessarily needs to be pushed to take his game to the next level. I think he needs to feel comfortable that he's not going to well, end up on his too. back every fifth play. <laughs> yes. um, but I will say this, you know, and you're right, it, there's no negative to Jacoby and Morgan coming in and playing well. There is a negative for him coming in before he's ready and if it's a disaster because you don't want to ruin the kid, obviously. And I'll go back. I, I always use the example of Joe Fields. And, it, you know, he was supposed to be the next great quarterback uh, in this program. And they trotted him out there as a freshman against Purdue. And it was ugly and it was awful. And, it, it you know, you, you wonder if it just it ruined his confidence. And he was never the same after that. To the point where he had to switch positions. So, you know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to put Jacoby and Morgan out there for four quarters of football if he's not if he's not able to function um, as the starting quarterback. I do want to see more of him, but th- I think that is the danger that you run in. If you if you put him out there before he's ready, you don't want to ruin him for you know what, what could be four more years in this right. program. You don't want to see him playing wide receiver in three years, exactly. is what you're saying, right. or two years. Yeah, right. You don't want him to develop bad habits because he goes in there too soon, or uh, for his confidence to be shaken, those kinds of things. You want to set him up for success. And Again, I think Dino has done a nice job bringing him along slowly, gave him a few snaps and handoffs in the Clemson game gave him one drive in the last game now that he's passed those tests though I think we all want to see a little bit more of him especially against first team defense see what the kid can do I'm really interested to see how Dino uses him on Saturday and I know Dino said that he doesn't have a predetermined plan my guess is he's got a predetermined plan I would imagine he has a plan I would hope so I hope he has a predetermined plan of you know this is what we expect going into this game um, because I don't think this should all rely on Rex. It's not like you're playing. It's not like you're in the mix for the ACC title game, right? If you beat BC, if you're competitive with BC, I think you have to have a plan going into this game. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We got to take our first time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio ninety seven point seven at one hundred point one. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. 
All right, Stephen Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. Again, phone lines open all of hour number one here at 315-437-7644. We'll get to John Perel, the voice of the BC Eagles, at 1 o'clock, and then Steve Andrus from Radio.com Sports uh, at 1.30. You brought up something interesting during the break, Seth, that uh, we should probably touch on here, um, and I'm glad we didn't talk about it in the opening segment, but it is something that is probably on the minds of some, and that is how do we feel about Trill Williams just calling it a career, calling it a day uh, with four games left. And, you know, some might say, quote, unquote, quitting on his teammates. I think you and I, you know, we look at this as it's, especially in this case, completely fine. I mean, he's he's preparing for his future. He's banged up anyway. We don't know the severity of the injury. I mean, maybe he wouldn't have been able to come back and he just wants to, a month head start on getting ready for the NFL draft. Um, but I, no, I don't look at this as, as him quitting on his teammates at all. I think this is a case of a young man has decided he, he wants to move on. He knows what he wants to do. And uh, again, if, if he goes on and, and succeeds in the NFL, I mean, that, that reflects well on your program. Like, Syracuse fans should be rooting for him to, to move on and succeed. And I, I think a vast majority of them are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We, we see this sometimes with, with basketball players, that yeah. they leave early and fans get mad. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a little different because I, I don't know the last basketball player who left before the NCAA tournament. Uh, but yeah, and not that this football team would be going to the equivalent of the NCAA tournament, but the point remains. Um, you know, I, I just think, it, I think it's a, a really interesting conversation in the context of go back like five years. Right, like remember when Christian McCaffrey did this, and when Leonard Fournette did this, and they had the gall. Christian McCaffrey had the gall to skip the Sun Bowl. <laughs> How terrible! He skipped the Sun Bowl. He also like had an ankle sprain. He skipped the Sun Bowl. How awful! He's a top ten pick and the richest running back in league history. It worked out. Like it's not the worst thing in the world to go ahead and skip those meaningless games. And you're seeing it it evolve and how it changes. And you know it was so terrible when Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey did it, and it got less terrible when people did that. You know in bowl games moving forward, and it got even less terrible, and nobody cared. When people this year immediately, when they found out their season was affected or canceled, says, hey, we're good. We're not playing this year. You saw it with Big Ten players. There are players in the Big Ten who found out their season was canceled, declared for the draft. They hadn't signed an agent quite yet, so they were saved, but then still made the decision to not play this year and stay in the draft. And I think that the way that we've kind of all shifted, and and I do think that for the most part, People have shifted on this discussion. I think is really interesting. Let me ask you this then, um, because I agree with you. I, I, you know, I don't fault these guys for for protecting themselves and their families and their futures. If Trevor Lawrence did it, if he tomorrow said, "You know what? I'm fine. I feel better, but I know I'm going to be the number one pick in the draft. I don't want to mess around with this COVID thing. Yeah, we're number one in the country and we're you know in the mix for a national title, but I'm good. I don't want to mess this up for me and my family." Would we think differently of Trevor Lawrence because it isn't the meaningless Sun Bowl? It's his and it's team. It's not a it, one and six team. It, it's a team that's undefeated and a team that has national title aspirations. And he would be giving up on meaningful games opposed to meaningless games. Well, that would be quite the thought exercise, wouldn't it? If he actually went ahead and did that. And again, we don't know what's going on with him. Like we haven't heard any kind of real update on his status and if he's feeling any better and you know any of that stuff. Because I could see a scenario where if he's not feeling better in like another week, 
And he's like, you know what? I'm still feeling like some symptoms. I'm still kind of achy, you know, whatever it might be. I still have a fever from time to time. Uh, you know, if, if he's in that kind of a situation after like three weeks of this and he looks at the schedule and is like, am I going to be, eh, you know, it's getting late. You know, am I going to be back? Like, I can understand him opting out. And then you look at it and you're like, yeah, like, look, he had the virus and he hasn't been over the virus and, you know, on and on. Um, the scenario you brought up is the interesting one of if he comes out and he's like, I feel great, let's go to the <laughs> NFL. Like, that's that's a strange position to be in. And I, I don't know how I would react. I don't know how anybody would until you actually see it happening. It's a hypothetical. Well, we knew he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. Well, there were before, people saying he shouldn't have played this year. That's So I'm, I'm going back to that. So before the season started, we all knew he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. So he comes and he plays, and halfway through the season, he contracts COVID. And now, again, everybody, listen, we don't know exactly what COVID does to your body moving forward, especially a, you know, especially an athlete. So if he were to come out and say, yeah, I feel better, but listen, this is, this is hitting a little bit too close to home. I, I, I want to protect my future. I'm done. Don't you think that the, the reaction would be mixed? Opposed to, if he did it before the season, I think everybody would have been like, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. He doesn't want to mess around with COVID. He's going to be the number one pick. But now that he's played half the games and they're number one, and you, you know, the the national title is is like right there within reach. I would think that the the reaction would be mixed. I, I do don't, too. I don't think it would be like, oh, good for Trevor. No, like, I think it would be mixed. I think it certainly would be different than had he come out in in August and said, "Hey guys, I'm good. Weird year. I'm out of here. Like, thanks, but I, I can't do this." It would definitely be more mixed than that. Yeah, I think so too. I think, and it's it's interesting because it's the same decision. If anything, you would think that this the, the decision. If he was on the fence at all before he got COVID, you would think that that would kind of push him over the top. Um, but no, I, I I think the reaction would be very much mixed, especially you know in South Carolina about what he he should and should not do. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Let's go to the phone line. Scooter in Jamesville kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Scooter. Hey guys, you know you guys were uh, you know talking about bowl games last week, and you're listening to bowl games, and I, I had a memory. I, 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 I maybe Seth can look it up. Is your late '80s, early '90s? But Army and Navy back then were both good, and the military was tied to the Liberty Bowl, and they're playing, of course, the last game of the season. The winner goes to the Liberty Bowl, and I believe they faced going to face Auburn, Alabama. The loser. Spends Christmas in Hawaii at the Aloha Bowl, so I don't know who's who that, who I don't know gonna lose. be. <laughs> yeah, well, the good, that's what that, that's what the funny story gets. It's like it's late in the game. Navy's down five. It's either fourth and goal at the five, or it's the last play of the game. All I know is the quarterback was accurate the whole day. He airmails the ball over this wide open receiver ten feet over his head. I didn't see the midshipman actually abandoning ship. I, <laughs> they know they're going to be in Hawaii. I think they're going to play. Northwestern or California, it doesn't matter. But I'm laughing because I remember the game, the Liberty Bowl, was played in freezing rain, rainstorm because it's around Christmas in Birmingham. Or to take it back, it's Memphis, Tennessee. But I'm just laughing because I'm, I'm watching with my friend. I'm going, wonder who the loser really is in this game. Yeah. The loser goes to Hawaii. It's, it's a pretty like, nice consolation I, prize. Yeah, the exactly. Only, the only thing is it's such a rivalry game that they can't. Yeah. They, they got to win it, right? I don't know. I tell you, like I said, I didn't see so many sad faces on the Navy. I was on the Army goes, well, I better get my long johns because I'm going to Memphis. But uh, I can almost see that, you know, like Channel 9. Let me see now. I'm going to send sail to the Memphis and then 
He's going to Hawaii. I, 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 I can sense that, that feeling right there, baby. That's kind of how it works, Scooter. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That's kind of how it works. Steve gets the trip to the Bahamas? Yeah. Oh, that's the whole, that's the other thing. It's a low bowl, but come on, guys. I mean, I, I think it's like the Mac and the Sun Belt. Raise your hands if you don't. If you're not going to a major bowl, you're ever in the Bahamas or halftime in Birmingham, Alabama, or Shreveport, Louisiana, where they're maybe they're higher up. I, I'm, go, I'm going to the Bahamas. I'm telling you, the Mac, the Mac, and the Sun Belt are probably all happy. Guys, you know, there's another thing is geographically is like who's the real loser in this one? Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch some Mac last night? Did you watch some Maction last night, Scooter? Oh no, I didn't even even on. I yeah. be honest, was it was it was it good? I know I know I know tonight it's the actually the Mountain West and uh, it's the prelim before. Oh, by the way, Boise and BYU, huge game tomorrow. Yeah, and to be honest with you, Boise State is the underdog, and I'm trying to remember the last time they were underdog at home since they won 92 percent of their games on that blue surf uh, 20 years ago. And one more quick uh, funny story, because you guys are talking T-shirts, right? Kyle Moore, when he played, only lost three games in his career. They, in fact, he set a record. All three games are by three points or two points or less on missed field goals. And the, 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 the visiting teams, when Boise State played at a home game at, at night, they blamed that the blue uniforms made the receivers blend into the blue turf, and they they, they complained about it. So therefore, they made they made Boise State wear white and their their orange their orange uh, uh, pants. The best T-shirt I ever got was the shirt they had they had a uniform all in orange on a T-shirt. It says "58 and three. Can you see me now?" <laughs> Solid. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you checking in, as always, Scooter. 315-437-7644. We're desperately up against the clock. we got to take a timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Route 34. You poem 315-437-7644. We'll, we'll get to Steve Andrews in about 10 minutes from now from Radio.com Sports to preview week nine of the NFL season. Uh, great catching up with John Meter Perel from, uh, from Boston College. Really good interview. Obviously knows his stuff. Of course he does. He's an Ithaca College bomber. Um, but you do get the sense, Seth, that at Boston College, they feel like they're on the verge of taking a step forward, right? That Steven Dazio, it was it was a whole lot of seven and six and six and seven and seven and six and and th- that whole thing kind of ran its course. And listen, this isn't going to happen overnight. They're not all of a sudden going to become a you know eight nine win team every year. Um, but you build toward that, and you do get the sense, at least from what we've seen through. You know, a half of a season, a little bit more than half of a season. Jeff Halfley has this program uh, very much pointed in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it certainly looks like it. And look, it's not like Steve Adazio did a bad job. They nah, did not just, fire. It was right. very, he, they, he was fine. Right. They didn't fire him because he was bad at his job. They fired him because he was just at the same place year after year. And, Stuck and in you were, a rut. Right. You were constantly at six or seven, and you want to constantly be at seven or eight or nine, you know, and, and you just want to be better than that. And you realize that there's room to grow. Um, you know, and, and at some point you realize that the person who is 
getting you to that point is not the person who's going to get you over the hump. You know, you see this in all sports, right? The the Golden State Warriors got to a certain point with Mark Jackson. And then they were like, yeah, you know what? Like, probably not going to go too much further with Mark Jackson than second round of the playoffs. But if we make a change, well, they made a change, and look at what happened. You know, it worked so, out. It, right. Like, moves like this happen all the time. Obviously, moves like this also go in the opposite direction, where you think you can do better, and you can't, mm, and you... Do, do we, can we think of any no, examples in I can't. Syracuse football history I can't. where that happened? I can't, Steve. Six and six, seven nothing's, and five. Nothing's coming to competing mind. Competing for conference titles every so often. Wasn't good enough. Decided to push the guy out the door and nothing's coming to mind. No. Yeah, okay, no. me neither. Uh, you know, it, it looks like early re- early returns are positive, right? Early returns yes. are positive. Um, you know, of of this Boston College move. If if you were watching John King on election night with with the the Jeff Halfley move, it, it would be like he would be like, look, there's still time. There's still votes coming in from Philadelphia, but. Uh, you know, it, it could change, but it looks good right trending now. Trending in this direction. It, yeah, it's trending in the right direction. And, and so. that's, that's the sense you get with Boston College. And and it's a dangerous time, right? Because that that second team in the ACC conference, like th- that label of who's the second best team, it's up for grabs. Like it was, for so long, it was Clemson, Florida State, right? It was, it was Florida State for a long time. Then Clemson joined them. Then Clemson surpassed them and then Florida State for whatever reason the last few years and it's a there's a lot of reasons um Florida State has plummeted and so now it's Clemson and everybody else and there is that next tier and I think Carolina is in that next tier I think Louisville is in that next tier you know Virginia Tech has kind of made a comeback and they're trying to get into that next tier two years ago that we were talking about Syracuse being you know in the running for the leader of that next tier and and now BC you know has an opportunity to do it so it's it, it feels like a, a dangerous time an exciting time it feels like there's an opportunity in this ACC conference for someone to jump up and to establish themselves as that as that you know the 1A to Cle- you know Clemson's going to be the, the leader for a while but can you be the the leader of that next tier and and that every opportunity once in a while is available? The, every once in a while, pull the upset. Yeah, you know, or and if Clemson has a down year, Clemson has a down year. Starting quarterback right. gets hurt the second game of the season for the Tigers, exactly. and then all of a sudden the door opens. Who's that team that's going to take advantage of that? Um, and and there's there's a lot of them. Like there's a lot of parity outside of Clemson. So who can establish themselves as that next best program? And it, it does feel like the last two years have been a missed opportunity for Syracuse. BC now feels like it has an opportunity to go up and, and be in the mix for that. And that's why you hired Jeff Halfley. Like That's why you make that move. You bring somebody in who has NFL experience, who was with Ohio State. You bring somebody in who's got that experience so that you can take that step, so that you can put yourself in position to be that next team in the ACC. And look, I don't know if they're going to do it, but you heard John Meter Perel say it. Um I mean, I, I was taken aback when I heard him say the the best half of football since Matt Ryan. Yeah, like it's the, going back a little that's, bit. That's 15 years. Yeah. I mean, the best half of football in the last 15 years is is what he thought he saw last weekend against Clemson. I mean, that is that is stunning. And if that's what Boston College is right now, like, look, they weren't amazing every year with Matt Ryan, but they were, like, pretty good. They were good. They were good. That last year, they really hit it. And so, like, you've got to be looking at it that way if you're a Boston College at this point or if you're a Syracuse at this point, right? Like, baby steps, build up to that big year. And if Boston College can consistently be, like, eight wins and then that big year they're, like, nine or ten, well, really ten, 
and then a bowl game, like you're looking at a positive. You're looking at a a, a a positive and a jump forward and a reason that you make that higher and make that change. Yeah, and then the you know the trick is not just getting there but staying there, and that's what you know Syracuse was unable to do. They they got that spike with the ten wins. And then the next year, um, for a lot of reasons, and you know, offensive line troubles and graduation and so on and so forth, they 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 fall right back down to five, and now here they are, you know, at one and six, and could very well go one and ten this year. I mean, I think that I think we're all resigned to the fact that that is a distinct possibility. So you got to get there, and then you got to be able to stay there. And unfortunately for for Syracuse, the Orange uh, was unable to capitalize on the first time that they spiked. You hope that that maybe a spike is coming in the next couple of years. 315-437-7644 is the number. Uh, We will take a time out here. We'll bring on Steve Andrus from Radio.com Sports as we preview Week 9 of the NFL season and Week 9 of the fantasy football season. That's next. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. 